Hello, friends, and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And this is the show that talks about bikepacking, adventuring, and the cool people who participate. And this week, I have a very, very special episode for y'all. This week's episode was recorded with Lael and Rue at the Bikepacking Summit in Elijah, Georgia, just last month. To my knowledge, this is the first ever interview with both of them um, at the same time. So this was a really special opportunity. And y'all know I'm a huge uh, Lael fan. Uh, been watching her for a long time and have been being inspired by her for a long time and um, have been equally enthusiastic about Rue and the things that she's doing um, to help make the sport of bikepacking more accessible through social media and video and write-ups and whatnot. As a, as a fan of the sport, this is a great time to be alive. There are so many events. Um, there's so many organizations advocating for um, for routes and for access. Um, there's people out there producing amazing content, and it's all going to bolster this uh, this lifestyle and this idea of living purposely and exploring the world via your bicycle and, and seeing some amazing places and meeting new people and, and getting to taste and experience different cultures. Um, and to me, I think that is, that's vital. I mean, look at the world we live in. Uh, we're inundated with media and information and advertising and ways that you can spend your money or your time. Um, and we need good content. We need people who are out there seeking to inspire others to go out and ride their bikes or just get outside and enjoy it. Um, so I know that, um, Leon Rue found themselves at the crosshairs of some scrutiny uh, before the tour divide even started. I'm sure you are all aware of that. Um, so it was very nice for me to be able to give them an opportunity to share a little bit about their perspective, uh, both from the writer's standpoint, being Lael, and from Rue's standpoint, all the way from how, where did Rue come from? You know, how did she get introduced to bikepacking and uh, these events and Lael and all that? We talk about all that um, and we get to understand a little bit more from her perspective, uh, what she's trying to accomplish and the way that she's going about it. And it's just it's it's really nice to get to know Rue. I mean, she's the person behind the camera. She's the person writing a lot of the words that we're reading, um, taking these amazing pictures. But to hear her get a chance to talk to her and really helps you to understand where she's coming from. Um, and so I was grateful to uh, be able to have the opportunity to give them a platform to talk. And coincidentally, uh, Rue's new film just was released yesterday. It's called I Just Want to Ride. And it is, uh, I'm sure many of y'all have seen it, but if you haven't, you need to go check it out. It's, uh, it's wonderful. It's very well made. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. It's uh, it's a beautiful film that takes you closer to the event, closer to the athletes, um, the environment that they're in, um, and you get to kind of feel it, and, and it brings all of it together from a dot watcher's perspective all the way to, you know, five months later being able to watch a film about the tour divide. 
Um, it's truly incredible and it's a genuinely it's a it's a great film uh you'll laugh um you'll cringe maybe um but you will feel something and you will feel a little bit of what the racers and the riders are feeling when they go out and experience the tour divide the only sad part about the film for me was that they they took a portion of it and had to address some of the controversy and drama that surrounded this year's Tour Divide, um, which is unfortunate. It's unfortunate that they had to do that, but I understand and I'm glad they did. I'm glad that they have a platform to be able to share their story and their side and and really showcase what is possible with the medium of uh, photojournalism and media. Um, so anyway, you know what camp I'm in. I am on Team Lael and Rue. I'm big fans of them. Uh, and this, I have one more thing to say, actually. And I've said it before, but hasn't Lael already earned our respect? You know, I mean, she did... She's been at this a long time, and she has proven to anybody who is willing to look that she's the real deal. She's authentic about uh, her riding and her racing and who she is, and um, it's just sad that anyone would question that. It's dumb. It's stupid that anybody would question it. I mean, she took down the entire trans am by herself, men's and women's done. Uh, and if you listen to my first interview with her, we talk about that a little bit about that moment when, uh, she catches a first place guy and he's like, Hey, let's ride in together. <laughs> this is a race. I'm gone. You know, let's, we came here to race and uh, she's cutthroat, man. She's out there. Uh, she's out there to ride her bike. She loves it. And, uh, Anyway, so she has, in my opinion, uh, already proven herself, and uh, Rue has has equally um, been very respectful of the spirit of the race and these events and the participants, and so I commend both of them. I, I look forward to more. Um, I hope they keep going. I hope they pr keep producing inspirational uh, films or media otherwise that we as fans uh, who maybe can't participate for one reason or another, we can enjoy that, you know, we can get excited and we can get inspired to go ride our damn bikes. So anyway, very, very excited to be able to bring you that in interview today. Um, and please, if you have, if you haven't watched their new film that just dropped yesterday, it's called, I just want to ride. It features Lael on the tour divide and it's wonderful. All right. Well, just a little bit of housekeeping for bikes or death. There is a current initiative going right now to turn the van, my van, a van into a bikes or death mobile recording studio. And I appreciate so much everybody who has donated so far, but Hey, we still got a little ways to go. And so what I did is I reached out to some friends in the cycling industry, people who I've interviewed, uh, to see if they'd be willing to donate some items that I could raffle off and get some incentive for all you lovely people out there. Um, so that's what I've done. And if you go to bikesordeath.com, at the very top, there's a link that says raffle. Um, 
if you click on that, it has like all the prizes, actually not all of them because we've added a couple more, but uh, the prizes, the rules, links to the GoFundMe, all that jazz. Um, but just to name a couple, um, Pinhale Bicycles just reached out to me this last week and they are donating a frame. Uh, it's their gypsy frame. It's a beautiful steel frame. Go to their website, check it out. Um, so one of those is up as a raffle item. Uh, and we also have prints from Chris Picard, uh, and Jared Foster. They both do donated prints. Um, K light donated a ultra bike packer light, uh, which is the one I used. Uh, rock guys has some stuff in there. Aggieland cycling donated some bags, uh, Chumba and Wonderlust. They donated a frame bag and a seat bag. Um, and there's more there, but we, there's some really good stuff there. So if you can, think that sounds like a good idea and you want to be entered to win some super neat raffle items uh, head over to bikes or death click that raffle link in the top right hand corner and uh, you know kick a little dollars into the van or death fun drive and maybe you'll win some cool gear maybe even a bike how cool would that be all right and as always if you will do me a favor and head to itunes and leave a five-star review we're up to like 201 reviews which is awesome thank you and still a five-star rating so i appreciate that i'm glad that so many people are enjoying the show uh i continue to try to get better learning this uh podcasting thing figuring it out uh so i appreciate everybody supporting me uh as we go down this journey together um and hopefully we're all having a good time all right, well, let's get to the show, and Miles, with his version of the Bikes or Death intro song, is going to lead us into this episode with Lael and Rue. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends, or you could be alone. You ride for a day, or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. I am sitting in the middle of a forest with Lael and Rue. Hi. <laughs> hey, thanks for having us here. <laughs> yeah. What do y'all think about my, my office? Love the office. Uh, yeah, North Georgia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, That's the first breaks. car we've seen in weeks. There's no service out here and no Wi-Fi. It's true, though, actually. It's very remote. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's one of the first things. Well, you can't. It's unavoidable. Like, you're driving through a very rural, remote uh, national forest and then all of a sudden you're like oh this yeah. is here yeah exactly uh yeah incredible i mean i spend most of my time out west so to be i was riding trans north georgia earlier this week and you're always in the woods like you never leave the woods it's, never it's really wild it's weird if you get like an overlook where you can actually see a vista or, yeah you know. very rare yeah and then riding at night is really challenging because it's so dark oh <laughs> you can't see anything you so, had lights though huh it was yeah, just that i just dark. had a borrowed like commuter light from logan because none of my stuff came in oh that's right i heard that <laughs> oh and i saw the box that your bike came in was your bike okay 
Mostly, yeah. yeah. I think the the derailleur hanger was bent and uh, the brakes were rubbing, but mm -hmm. you know, it's it's riding. Rue yeah. rode it today. That was great. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that bike is so much fun. Which, yeah. which bike is it? It's Lael's um, full suspension specialized stump jumper. Nice. It's yeah. a burly bike. It's like 34 pounds. It's huge. Yeah. The descents were a lot But those are fun. comfortable bikes. Mm -hmm. Super those, comfy yeah. and capable. Right. And, that's that's handy. Y'all are the same size, yeah. Exactly. So we just share bikes. We're, Clothes, bikes. <laughs> we're the same shoe size too. So if we oh want to switch gosh. bikes, we could actually like switch just, shoes too. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So it's convenient. Just, I know. We Perfect. planned it. Yeah. The only difference is Rue's head's bigger, so she has a bigger helmet. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit it out. <laughs> no, no, keep that in. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, this is this is actually pretty neat. Uh, well. Man, so I've done 15 episodes since we oh first met gosh, up in, in June. Wild man. It's crazy. That's I thought I was going to retire. Yeah. I decided I decided to keep going, Full by the blown. way. Yeah. yeah. It's been really fun. Wow. Who have you talked to? Oh, gosh. Kerr Refsnyder was just on. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. How'd that go? Okay. I'd like to talk about that. So on our podcast, you said, I think Kurt Refsnyder is the most under-recognized person who is doing the most for bikepacking right now yeah. or something along those lines. And yeah, talk to the dude, you know, and he will really blow your mind as, I mean, it's not like the things he's doing right now are going to make bikepacking, cycling, mountain biking, accessibility in, uh, in anywhere, pu public or private lands, like he's doing that so we can have access so to that. So much work. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. He's getting paid like $5,000 a year. It's like yeah. <laughs> peanuts for all the work. Yeah. It's probably going into like logistics costs, you know, and that's mm. it. Yeah. But that's cool. That's super cool. You talked with him. Yeah. Yo, you were right though. I, I have to agree. I mean, uh, he, he's the right person to be doing it because of being like a professor and like yeah. understanding. I, I don't know. He's just, he's like a business. He's like a real person, like a grown up. He's a grown up. He's a grown up. <laughs> <laughs> we need a grown up leading this ship. Yeah. We all just want to go ride our bikes, and somehow he's figured out how to ride his bike and run a nonprofit that's like benefiting the yeah. community and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So a lot has happened in the last uh, year. And I know we don't have time to go into all of it, um, but uh, real quick. Oh, also, this is my first time to do two people. Oh, really? Yeah, this is my first. I actually just got this microphone in the hopes that I could get both of y'all together. Hey! Uh, That's cool. That's and cool. so uh, this will be a new experience. We'll just kind of learn on the fly. Right on. <laughs> um, but yesterday, I believe it was, y'all were talking about... Um, well, actually, Rue, it was during your presentation mm -hmm. uh, about how y'all met at GRID and stuff. And I thought that was kind of an interesting history because it's really led to a really cool dynamic between a photojournalist and an endurance athlete and, you know, where we're at right now. So you want to talk about a little bit how, how y'all met at GRID and that experience for you? Like, it was a really transformative time in your life where you, like, you know, uh, had lost your job at the paper and yeah. kind of looking for something to do and yeah, finding direction maybe is a better way to put it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. just tell your background. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Rue and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I have a background in photojournalism and I worked at a couple of different newspapers just working as an intern in Texas and Wyoming and Alaska, even in college. Like I knew that that's where I wanted to be. 
you know, I mean, just think about the environment and the stories to be told. And I remember applying to all these different jobs in Alaska, jobs that maybe weren't the best fit, but I just wanted to get myself there. Like I was applying for TV news. Mm. That, that's not me. And right. I was like, if I could just get Just there. anything, get a foot in the door. Totally. Um, and then there was a job opening for uh, Alaska Dispatch News, which is now Anchorage Daily News, but it's Alaska's largest newspaper. And I applied and was a staff photographer and videographer and moved there in January of 2017. And uh, working in newspapers is a really incredible way to get to know the people and the place. You start seeing the same people over and over again. And I'm not sure how I found out about it, but I found out that Lael was doing, it was the first year of Anchorage Grit, and that's Girls Riding to Tomorrow. And for six weeks, she has seventh grade girls meeting two to three times a week, um, you know, biking and doing clinics, and it's all volunteer-based, working with women. And I thought, you know, that's a really cool story to tell. And oh, at the yeah. newspaper, you have a ton of daily assignments, but I thought... You know, this could be kind of my longer form project because it's six weeks yeah. long. So whenever it's like, you know, not... So this was like a side project that you kind of was on your radar and you're like, I really want to go find totally. out about that. That's neat. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was a cool story. And I like riding my bike too. So it kind of gave <clears> me Yeah, you, you came that. into it as a cyclist. Yeah. 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 Um, and then that's how I met Lil. So we met in, in April and we worked together April and May. And after the story was published... We started hanging out uh, with her friends and the summer in Alaska, the sun is up all day <laughs> long and um, they're all night long. So you get off of work, you know, sometimes at 10 p.m. and then you start a bike ride and you ride until 2 a.m. and you sleep and then you do the same thing over again. So that was that was really cool. And uh, the newspaper went bankrupt, unfortunately, and a third of the employees lost their jobs and I was one of them. So Lil and I, this was around October, and you don't really want to stay in Alaska in October <laughs> if, you know, if you don't have to and if you don't have a full-time job keeping you there. So we headed down to Tucson, Arizona together. They've been working on projects since. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, one thing that's really neat about you is is your fresh perspective on a sport that, like, you came into it with photojournalism mm -hmm. and, and that like a really professional side and you're being introduced to something that you've never heard of before and then immersed into it. And so like your perspective on, on what's happening is, is, is cool. Like you cool. get to look at it through fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's one of the really neat things about, um, I don't know, this duo, this combination that y'all have of you being able to like document what's happening in a very fresh perspective, you know? I appreciate that. That's well, really the nice. The thing that really impressed me was Rue. Hey, Leo. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Rue uh, came to it with, like, no experience and then just picked it up right away. I mean, she had never even ridden a mountain bike before, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. She, she started, she came to the first grit with a road bike with, like, 23C tires. <laughs> and uh, was, there was snow on the ground. There was still a yeah. lot of snow on the ground. That's and the she only had bike this I had. Yeah. Video camera, and she's like following us around on this little road bike. The girls were like, "What are those skinny tires?" <laughs> they were kind of scared uh, for her. And then, like the, a week later, she came back with like a plus size bike, hardtail, yeah. and it was yeah. her first mountain bike ever. And then she documented with that. And then because she had the bike, she started mountain biking. And then. Mm -hmm. I think her first bikepacking trip was we went out to Denali National Park and rode the oh, park beautiful. road, which is such a great road mm -hmm. for anybody. It's 92 miles of gravel. 
and there's no vehicle travel uh, except for like tourist buses and park yeah. rangers. So I, I'm kind of curious, where did where was the idea born? Um, I, I, I well, maybe I didn't let you finish because you got um, you were you were fired or let go from the mm-hmm. that job, and then you decided to go freelance or wanted to give it a shot. Did I get that right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we were laid off, and uh, I think also at that time, I mean, we were I was working at the newspaper for almost a year, and. It was uh, it was a new environment to be in, and then you know a lot of daily assignments, and there's a lot of stress associated with that. And we actually started just working at a pizza place, waitressing, you know, in Tucson, in Tucson, Arizona, and that was actually kind of a nice break. Like we'd bike to work six miles every day, and then you know just sling pizzas and wait yeah. tables, and then bike back. But it was kind of like a really nice just refresher, just to do something simple, to be on the bike. Um, but I believe it was that winter, Lale was uh, leading gravel bike camps in Patagonia, Arizona, and I was just taking photos for the company, the cyclist, the cyclist menu. menu. And um, Lale had a race on her horizon, um, the Navad 1000 in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And right now it's, it's renamed to the Hope 1000, but it's a thousand kilometers with 30,000 meters of climbing. And... Um, I think it was Pearl Zumi that reached out to you in an Instagram message and just mm-hmm. really liked what you were doing, Lil, and kind of wanted to tell your story and just ask what you were up to. And that was one of the races you had in your horizon. And we thought, let's tell the story of the Switz race. And yeah. the race organizer was really excited about getting his race out there with a video. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. So <laughs> this was kind of the beginning of it. So Yeah, we, and that's, yeah. I'm not stopping, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that full circle, that's, you know, you were in Fayetteville, Arkansas when I caught up to you because you were premiering I'm Not Stopping. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was so cool for us to come to this film festival in Arkansas where they had a big screen outside and to even watch the video on a big screen like that and surrounded by like people we didn't know at all. It was it was just different. I yeah. was like, wow, this is actually pretty cool for yeah. me. And I've seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> and it's me. <laughs> and I'm watching me. <laughs> well, so what was that experience like? I mean, what was the reaction like? Like, yeah, I mean, so you went to this, you premiered this video that you worked hard on. Oh, well, before that, even like shooting something uh-huh. like that, because I'd never covered an ultra distance race. Granted, it's like short for Lale, 600 miles, you know, mm-hmm. 100,000 feet of climbing. That's, that's some insane. climbing. That it's is so climbing. steep. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but we had plans like, how do you document this race? And initially we we're going to tour it together, scout it. And then we're like, well, an e-bike would be pretty good because you're carrying all this equipment. And uh, the second day in Switzerland, I ended up crashing and breaking both my elbows. So I had to kind of rethink that plan. At the same time. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But we still had a month (laughs) before the race. Yeah. So I healed up. And the cool thing about, you know, if you're to break two of anything, break your elbows. Because they heal up fine on their own. In about six weeks. Yeah. So I couldn't scout it. But Lil was able to just train really hard by herself. And then Uh she'd know the route and, you know, kind of form a strategy around that and I just ended up driving around with Willie the race organizer's friend Evo and documenting the race but that was kind of the first how do you take on a race of that scale with limited access points you know how do you keep it self-supported you know staying out of the way and it was really cool to share that uh film and when Lale did it there were 30 riders 
this year, since the film came out, there are a hundred riders doing wow. that race. Yeah, I bet the race organizer likes you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we went that. there initially because he wrote me an email like two years before and was like, hey, what do you think about coming to my little race in Switzerland? Uh-huh. And then I looked it up and I was like, 100,000 feet of climbing, what? And uh, yeah. But that year it didn't work out. I crashed and broke a couple ribs. Willie, the organizer, also crashed. He broke ribs. We were oh both like gosh. bed rested. And then the next year, Pearl Zumi was like, hey, let's do a project. So mm-hmm. I wrote Willie and I was like, hey, what about us coming for the race? making the video and he was like yeah let's do it and so Rue and I go over and we have I was like Rue we can't really bring much because (laughs) we might have to pack everything on our bike and just leave right away and basically live off our bikes till the race but and as soon as we got there (laughs) Willie was like uh no this is your home base in Switzerland you just live with us as long as you want and you can store stuff here and ever since then basically him and his wife it's an open invite for us to live with them anytime we have time off during the year wow. he's like this is your depot in in europe <laughs> and you can just base out of here and then do whatever you want wow. and uh so that's been like an unbelievable connection so leo why why did you want the story of the race to be told because you were the one that reached out to pearl zumi right no it's, they reached out to me oh. but but they were like i so they wrote me an instagram message that was like hey we just love what you're doing uh, and would love to talk with you about sponsorship. And I was like, really? Pearl Azumi? I thought they just made road stuff, like yeah. high vis, yeah. you know? And high vis. But I was like, yeah, I'm up for a phone call. So I called them and I was like, hey, uh, I don't really know what you're intending because I don't even wear cycling clothing because I never had, Right, you right, know? right. And, uh, do, you, do you even know me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wear a t-shirt, Yeah, cotton. and shorts. It's... But they also told me at that time they were like, changing kind of their model as a company they were not going to continue with the pro team kind of thing and they were making more clothes out of wool Mm. um kind of changing their strategy and they just wanted to share more stories they called and then asked what is your thought about media and i was like well i really love when companies tell a real story Mm. you know and it's like if you're wearing the clothing then i guess it's kind of an ad for that clothing but you're actually telling about something that's really happening yeah. and they were like we love that too and and but they didn't even know rue was around and i was like oh, i can actually we could actually produce something like this like yeah. a story driven video because mm-hmm. rue is a photojournalist she's no longer doing that i kind of explained the situation and they were like okay put together a couple budgets for different concepts mm. and then we'll see what we can do wow so we did one about the swiss race because i was like okay it's a race in switzerland uh, Willie wants us to come anyway. And, and then the other idea was I did the project where I rode all the roads in Alaska. Uh, so I was like, either of these would be cool stories in my mind. Um, and then got back in touch with them and they were like, let's go with the Swiss race. Cool. So we, and then we got Revelate Designs on board as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, they've been my oldest sponsor and Mm -hmm. most supportive sponsor. They're everything I do. They're like, yeah, that's great. We'll help you however we can. I mean, one scholarship I held, they donated Alaska Airlines miles just to bring like a woman to Alaska. It's just like, that's not their business, you know, but they're like, yeah, let's, let's make it happen. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. Then the collaboration was, uh, basically at at that point, Rue had like free reign to make it work. So then Willie said his friend could drive Rue around. Willie actually flew us over to Switzerland, uh, to cover our travel cost and, uh, my brother made the music for the video. <laughs> the guy who actually won the race did the, 
graphics. graphic design. Oh, really? So it was just like so cool. very homespun, but yeah, it turned out great. What's really cool is that our contact, or one of our contacts at ProLazumi is Joshua Lawton, and he has a background in newspapers as well. Mm. Uh-huh. So he like sees the value in stories and storytelling, so we're just really fortunate to work with him yeah. in that regard. But I, th- I think it's a direction that a lot of companies are actually kind of going towards. Mm. I mean, maybe just from personal experience, but we, we've been contacted by others who want yeah. to see similar things or are producing similar Basically, things. since this work's been made, more people want to do that kind of thing. So they're like, yeah. you know, before it's like us knocking on doors, like, hey, do you want to help with this? And now they're asking us, hey, what's the next project? We can help you do it. Yeah. Which is it, really It's kind cool. of a no-brainer in today's society, it feels like, where we're just inundated with ads and, you mm-hmm. know, sponsorship and drink Diet Coke or a Yingling beer or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but just telling a story, like t- telling Lael's story, telling the story of the race about the people in the, you know, in the communities that you're going through, and you just happen to be wearing Pearl Zumi. But mm-hmm. thank you, Pearl Zumi, because you made this experience possible. <laughs> exactly. Like, you funded this experience that now I can watch and I can enjoy and uh, and get inspired from you know so that's like that's like a much better yeah that's a much better way to do it than I'm Lael Wilcox and you should wear Paralazumi because the chamois are so good (laughs) like we would all know you're lying because I don't have a chamois (laughs) you don't have a chamois like it would be the most ridiculous thing ever yeah I know so I, I think, yeah, it, it just makes sense on a lot of levels. You know, everybody is winning kind of deal. Yeah, but they have to like take And you're not having to like sell that. your soul to like promote something you don't believe in. Or, exactly. And you really like the stuff. And the cool I, thing about super high quality. Lil's racing, it's like, you know, top. She'll race for two weeks at a time and she'll wear one single t-shirt, one pair of shorts, like ultra distance racing. For the mm-hmm. whole thing. So you want something that works. So it's like, yeah, a company that, a company could see a value in that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, now they're also like, well, you're like the best product tester yeah. because I just wear the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like trashed immediately. It's like as if somebody wore it for That's years. true. Mm-hmm. You, need, you need to understand, Pearl Zumi, like I only need one shirt and I'm going to wear it for five years <laughs> yeah. and then I'm going to let you know about it. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to have 30 different colorways and yeah. I'm, I'm kind of guessing, but yeah, it's a, a different approach. Um, so, but Rue, I did, I did want to get, um, first of all, I would like to say that your presentation was really neat. Um, and I know that a lot of people, did you feel the warmth in that room, you know? Oh my God. So, uh, the presentation, uh, you're referring to is, uh, I shot the Silk Road mountain race in yeah. Kyrgyzstan. It was the second, um, it was the second time the race has happened. Mm-hmm. And we just showed some photos from the race and talked about the experience of how do you document that? But, uh, I don't know. I'm not like a public speaker and just being up there on the forum, I was just like kind of sweating and, uh, <laughs> and like, I just get up there and there's like all this applause and I was like, don't start crying. Just, just do it. <laughs> this is really cool. Yeah. Was, I mean, it's so much easier when you have photos to show and yeah. maybe I should have just like gone up there and just been like, all right, somebody said something about photos are a thousand words. We're just going to go through the slideshow no, without no, talking. No, no, that was, that, that was good. Cool. Every, well, I, and I just, I wanted to tell you personally, I really enjoyed that. And I, I felt like it in the room, it was just a really neat to, to, cause you, like I said, you're coming with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. We're all bought in here. You know, we all That's came awesome. in and you came <laughs> in with like a different perspective and are, mm-hmm. are still learning and growing. And I don't know, it, it's just, it, it's good. You know, That's, That's what we need. Really reassuring. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like, yeah, experiencing a race, documenting a race is, just from my point of view, it's a really, 
it's a cool way to experience something yeah. you know like there's one thing to be riding a race but then to be shooting it you're kind of you're just listening and you're watching you're being an observer and to let people or for people to let you actually do that it's like a huge gift yeah. you know so you want to respect that you don't want to be intrusive and whenever somebody's asked for photos I want to make sure I get those to them because you know ultimately you guys are letting us like see you in some of the darkest times that you have mm. like yeah. nobody wants to be not a lot of people want to be photographed like a week into a race like chugging milk or yeah. you know, like <laughs> having stomach problems <laughs> and it's like yeah in that moment it's not good and you know you kind of have to just gauge the situation but that's also the experience and then yeah. like a week later you're like hey do you have that photo of me like <laughs> yeah puking my guts out yeah. or well, it's really well, cool oh. Rue gives the photos too because i've I've Sorry, say in, that again. Rue gives the photos to all the racers for free afterward because oh, yeah. I've been in races where people are shooting me and they won't give me access to photos oh, of myself. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, wait, that's, that's kind my, of my life face. that you're benefiting from. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was me. I, I, want, I, just, I wanted to tell you my two favorite pictures. Okay. Um, I, as a photographer, maybe you would you would appreciate that. But there's a, one of the switchbacks and uh, Lael's at the very bottom right-hand corner, I think, with a red jacket on. And I mean, that was like, took my breath away. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one was kind of similar. It was switchbacks and there was horses in the middle mm -hmm. and you don't realize it until you see Lael again at the very bottom. And then the whole picture goes, because you can see the whole perspective, you know, like at first you only see one, you, you probably either see Lael or you see the horses, but when you see both, it's like the landscape just like gets ginormous. Oh, that's really cool. So yeah, thanks for saying that. This is yeah. It's I guess it's kind of hard. Podcasts aren't the most visual things. So just yeah, just imagine switchbacks and little horses. Well, and this is good. They, well, yeah. what what is your Instagram? So because a lot of this is on there. How would someone you know find more? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so a lot of the photos on Lael's Instagram, Lael Wilcox, uh, are taken by myself. But my Instagram is Regila Caladite, and it's R U G I L E. K A L A D Y T E. And thank you for yeah. saying that so I didn't have to try. <laughs> Where does that come from? Do you uh, know? I was born in Lithuania. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pronounced Rugila. I try to Americanize it and go Rugila, but I'm like, let's just call me Rue. Yeah. yeah. So I go by Rue. <laughs> Rue's, Rue's great. All right, Lael. So let's get. Let's get the other side. You're the racer. You're being documented. What are what are you getting out of this? What are you enjoying about it? Or what's it been like for you on the other side? I mean, to see the images afterward, or for to share the images with others of my experiences afterward. It's so cool because it's like we could go on and on with stories about talking about the beauty of a place, but it really doesn't resonate unless people can see it for themselves. Yeah. I mean, video is probably the most powerful tool really mm -hmm. to get like this kind of almost textured experience yourself, just sitting there watching somebody else. And, right. and I feel like that's the most, also the most encouraging and enticing platform, like to get people to actually try for something like that too. So, yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how we were drawn to the Silk Road race in the first place. The, the race organizer and his friend, uh, Jeff went out there and scouted with a drone and took all this footage, put it together in a two minute trailer. And then we watched that and we we're like, we have to go there. That's mm -hmm. so cool. And I'd heard for years, Kyrgyzstan's really amazing for bike touring, all this stuff. But like, it wasn't until I saw it that I was like, I got to get over there. Uh, so then two years later we got to go. And that was actually a project initiated by hope. 
uh, the components brand. They were like, hey, do you guys still want to go to Kyrgyzstan? Mm -hmm. We'll pay your way over there. And we were like, yes, like, <laughs> let's jump on that idea. That's a great thing about being a bikepacker. You're like, just get me there. I got all the stuff. I'm going to go live exactly. out in the middle of nowhere. Like, so you're cheap. That's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, it's I just, not like a, a regular like athlete. They need a hotel and they need cars. Yeah. They just like send me out in the woods. I'm good. <laughs> and I think it's like the people who work for these brands that are so like, they wish they could be doing it, but they're working. So they're mm -hmm. like, they just want to help us do it. They're like, let's, let's get you there, mm. you know? And then it's always like, oh, they have a plan. Like this year's Rachel from Hope. It's like, she's going to come with us for the first week. But then over the year, she's too busy and can't come with us, mm. uh, which is always kind of sad. Cause you're like, you want to bring those people too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like as much their dream as yours, mm -hmm. you know, but we're the fortunate ones that actually get to do it. How, uh, I, I'm kind of just thinking that this has probably taken a lot of weight off your shoulders from having to like promote yourself as much. And you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're able to capture that experience. I just never did promote myself. So I didn't have any sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. I had like zero sponsorship. You know, I had, a, I had a couple sponsors cause they just, Oh, the, I mean, my first was specialized from making a video for REI. Yeah. So yeah. then it all was driven by media, uh -huh. but I was never producing the media myself, right, right. which is tricky because then everybody else is making money except for you. Yeah. You're like the, the person that's about, yeah. it's your life and your story, but like the production crew gets the money. I, lo I love what you say. Uh, you always say, no one's getting rich here. Like there's it's this true. idea that, I mean, you were just talking about, y'all were working in a pizza shop on your winter break. Like no, no one's like getting rich. Here. Yeah. I mean, you're doing it because you're passionate about it. Like if you can scrape together enough money to not have to work as part-time job or a second job, that's like the the dream. Oh yeah. You know? Exactly. That's a dream. Like all you're trying to do is figure out how you can ride your bike and it doesn't cost you money. Yeah. And you're not saving anything, <laughs> but it's like, who cares as long as I can keep riding. Yeah. So it's like media has allowed us to like, number one, not serve pizzas anymore, but also like, I mean, Anchorage Grit, that's like a six week long volunteer commitment that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I can do more programs Ooh, with that's this. Good. So yeah. it's like, I don't have to work yeah. instead. I can like dream up you know, a girls program or a scholarship or whatever right. else and well, actually go through with it. That's so cool. Uh, and we just made that connection about one of the girls that went through your program yeah. and I'm going to get her name wrong. So just go ahead. It's Alana. Alana. I was going to get right. Alana Rose. Uh -huh. um, so why don't you tell her story real quick? Because there's a really beautiful story and I'm going to be interviewing her after I get so back. Cool. So I'm really excited right. about that. So it's a really great I'm so glad you connected with her. Alana is one of the, so Grits, we've had three successful seasons of Grit. Uh, Alana was there for the first year. And that year, I think we had 11 girls. Of all the girls, she, I, I dedicated that whole year just to riding in the back of the pack. I was like, I'm just gonna stay back here no matter what happens. So I found it to be the spot where the girls would come back to if they just wanted to talk. Oh. And the person who came the most to talk was Alana. And she would just ride next to me almost every day and just tell me about her life. I mean, it was incredible. She had, she has seven brothers. Uh, uh, she was just telling you about her yeah, life. Yeah, and she's and telling me about her dreams. She's like, I'm going to be the first in my family to go to college. At that time, I think she wanted to be a veterinarian. Now she wants to be a nurse, mm -hmm. if that's still the case. You yeah, know, I mean, I'll find out for you. <laughs> at this point, she was 12. I'm pretty sure, maybe 13. Right. Also, the tallest girl in the program. Uh, so that year, and then uh, 
yeah, it was just awesome to get to know her. Then the next year comes around, I hosted this women's scholarship in Alaska, and I was like, okay, the idea is you put together your own thousand mile route, and then tell me about your route, why you want to do it, what you need to get it done. Um, and so, and this, I, this scholarship is going to what age girls? Well, it was open to all women, all women. Okay. So that then the age range That's interesting. ended all up women. being 14 to 76. Oh, wow. Alana was the 14 year old. This woman named Judy Lehman is 76 and lives in Sitka. Uh. And, and then all in between from all over the world, all these incredible stories of why these women want to go to Alaska. That's so But cool. Alana's was like, I just... Her route was to go start in Cantwell, Alaska, like basically just south of Denali, ride up to Coldfoot above the Arctic Circle, and then turn around and ride back and out and back, Mm -hmm. thousand miles. And then for her budget, she said all she needs is $300 for her dad's gas money Uh, to drive behind her so she's safe. uh, And I was like, just like melts my heart. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was just like, oh my God gosh, are you kidding me? And then I had this kind of crew of women helping me read through these scholarships because I had, we all read them all, but I had, I think 160 or 180. Mm -hmm. And then they're all like pouring out their hearts. And, but everybody that read Alana's was like, Oh my gosh. I tell my mom, I'm like, okay, I got this from a girl from Grit last year. And she's like, well, I'll give her $300 for her dad. (laughs) And then uh, it just worked out. Like everyone just wanted to make it happen. So uh, Rita Jet like gave her her old bicycle. Kelly Nelson from Big Agnes had her get camping equipment. Uh, everybody helped to like make her trip happen, and then she did it. Yeah, I mean that summer no, she did it. Yeah, she did the whole thing. I mean, yeah, fourteen incredible. years old. Fourteen years old. This girl, I mean, you did that. Yeah, I did, and that's why I wanted to do and, the scholarship. And your team, you know, uh, the, I know it's not just you, but like... Oh, the scholarship. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I the mean, grit, the scholarship, the yeah, everything. Yeah, I guess I mean. that's true. And uh, since then, like, I've... Alana, this year was uh, her new... She's, like, now on this biking bug, and she's like, I'm going to ride the Pacific Coast this year. And so she did. And she, like, made it into something where she got some school credit. I think she got, like, a grant to do it. Mm. And... Uh, so I, I helped her set up a couple presentations at bike shops around Anchorage and, and people asked like, why are you doing this? Or, you know, something along those lines. And she's like, well, working with Lael and Kate, Kate's my co-founder of Grit. She's like, I've never been around women that really believed in me. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, I was just like almost about to cry. I was like, wow, I never even thought about that because it's like I grew up with super supportive parents that were like go after your dreams and like I don't think she ever really had that you know but she's so motivated anyway it's like even without that background or maybe despite it she's like I'm I'm just doing this (laughs) and like just doing it it. I can't wait to talk to her and not all her stories are like la la land I mean she's still a kid you know she's like (laughs) I crashed and I broke my helmet and I'm all bloody and I was gonna ask you if you heard about that yeah she got a concussion yeah Yeah. and she like also almost got hit by a car on the pacific coast you know but it doesn't deter her no she's like still gonna go after it but she's like she's not making it all rainbows and Mm -hmm. sunshine either (laughs) no she's not it's it's (laughs) not all rainbows and sunshine but it's worth it Yeah, exactly. She still wants to do it. And so uh, it'll be cool to hear her perspective. But it's been really inspiring to see what she's done and like how she's improved and how she's taking on challenges. I mean, she's 15. Uh Like, 
I was, you know, on You're a training your team. next com- your competitor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's taking you down. <laughs> <laughs> She's coming for me. She's also like taller than me and acts more mature. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I have to ask you a question before I forget. I was having a conversation with someone a couple days ago and I was saying um, that the you're, you're an interesting dichotomy because you are a very sweet, caring, genuine person that when you engage with someone, whether, I mean, I've, I've watched you from a distance a little bit uh, mingling and, uh, you engage with everybody on a real level, you know, um, and on a personal level. And, uh, but then you go out and you just like, you're ferocious. I use, (laughs) I use the word ferocious. And I said, it's very interesting that this sweet, girl you know this nice lady that's just so nice to everybody it's just like ah, i want to win yeah. <laughs> so the question are is that other side of you what is that is that ferocious is it determination mm. like what what is the right word to to put there yeah what would you think oh Ruth? my god i just want to hear your answer yeah. <laughs> you go first and then we'll like, let Ruth say if she agrees or not yeah i don't know i guess i guess it's i'm driven you know, it's like yeah. if I'm going to do something, I'm giving everything I have to it. Because then there's like the flip side of uh, if I don't, I'll just be disappointed in myself. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, it's it's taken me a long time to become this happy. Like as a kid, I was just so hard on myself. Like if I didn't do well, it was like I was just kind of put under underwater like I couldn't get out of it you know just like just like personally the way you felt the way I felt about myself I was like that I just wasn't doing enough and I'm you know it's like it's not enough and and then now I'm like well it's as much as I can do I'm happy yeah. with that yes. you know, I yeah. guess you realize at some point like this is what I've got to give and you know maybe next time I'll learn something else that helps but this is what I have yeah. but I but I kind of know that level so if I don't give it then I would be like yeah yeah. Be slacked off, <laughs> you know. So it's like I have to go full on. Okay. Plus, that keeps it fun. How, yeah. how? But okay, so you're driven. Yeah. But what what tool or mechanism are you using to like drive you and propel propel you? Like, there has to be something that is like inside of you that, yes, you get to the end and you're gonna be accountable to yourself for how you did. But mm-hmm. what's pushing you for 17 days or 18 days yeah. on a bike? I mean, the tools I use now are like just staying as positive as I can because when I'm positive and happy I'm doing my best and I'm like achieving more than any other way Uh so then it's like just a most of the time I actually just want to be out there because I'm like this is incredible to be like going through this landscape all hours of day and night and then you have those hours that are hard where you're like or something comes up like courtesy on the first day my hands got really really cold uh where I was like god they're hurting and uh I guess you just tell yourself, well, it's not going to last forever. That's uh-huh. one tool. Uh, yeah, that I'm doing as good of a job as I can do. Right. Basically, like, none of this pain's going to last forever because then you'll find an hour later, sun's out, you're fine, you're taking your jackets off, and you're like, you almost forgot oh, it, it even that happened. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, it never happened. It, Joe and I talked, uh, you know, he did the presentation on fear, and so yeah. I had a chance to interview him a little bit. But one of the ways that fear evaporates, it's the same way pain evaporates. You know, it's like you get immersed in the experience or, you know, something else happens and it like that other thing goes away or something becomes so beautiful, like the mountain uh, in the Navidad when you're climbing that and you're like, I'm just so happy to be here. You know, it's like, it's like, what? 
<laughs> but 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 you're you're focusing on the right thing. You're in that experience, and because of that, the fear or the pain right. evaporates, as as Joe says. Or you just don't give it as emo- as much emotional weight. It's yeah. like, well, it's there. The pain's there, but like. I get to a point where I'm like, I don't really care about it. Right. That's like, another thing he says. You get so tired. It's just like, you're like whatever, <laughs> whatever, it's there. Yeah. you know, it's like with me, but it's not like the most important thing that's yeah. happening. Well, I can tell y'all, uh, you know, just from a personal level, I, I've really enjoyed watching, um, the content that you're putting out, Rue, like watching the tour divide this year and then getting reports as it's happening. It's, I mean, it's not like instant news, but I mean, when have we ever been able to watch uh, as a spectator, as a fan of the sport, you get to watch the dot and then you're reading these accounts with beautiful pictures and this is what I'm seeing, you know, like it's, it's cool, you know? So I, I personally, uh, thank y'all, uh, for putting in so much hard work. Rue, not everybody got to see your presentation, but the amount of work that goes in to produce one of these videos is, it's impressive. Like I didn't realize that there was three control vehicles and a full staff and, uh, and the whole nine yards. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for going through the effort to, uh, to put that out there. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. No, it's, it's, it's a total blast. I mean, I'm just lucky that you know, I can do something like this and, um, I love it. And it, it's, it's a very challenging, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of stuff like that, like documenting a mm-hmm. bike packing event because the distance is so long. And yeah. I think, you know, we just run into some concerns with keeping it, you know, as self-supported as you possibly can. So kind of being really, you know, just thinking about that and trying to have as little impact as you can but, you know, without photos, I mean, you have to be there to take photos. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been trying to just think of, you know, how to do that so it's fair for everyone. And, you know, really cool thing about a race like the Silk Road, it's like, yeah, they have three control cars. It's a different race than the Tour Divide, for example. Oh, yeah, way different. You know, but it's like a... They're, they're, yeah. they're media, they got media everywhere. Out there. Yeah. Seriously, many media projects yeah. going on at once. It's like anything yeah. else. There's many ways to do anything. And yeah. every, everyone knows that. I mean, obviously you're number one, uh, this is a new thing. Documenting right. these types of races is new. Uh, even me right here at this bikepacking summit, we're all just like figuring it out. But the point is that we're passionate about this and we want to tell the story. And through doing so, we're going to inspire so many people it's going to make it accessible. It's going to make it tangible for people to be able to do this. You know, I do it through talking to people and telling the stories in a more, you know, long dialogue, but you're telling it through being able to put it together. You're, you're, you know, I can, I could tell the story and then you can go online and they can get on the Radivist or they can get on your Instagram. And now they're like, Oh, this is what they were talking about, you know? So it's awesome. This is so cool. Like, yeah, I love it. Even with that, it's like, Silk Road, it sounds like very media heavy, but like from a racer standpoint, I saw Rue a total of five times the whole race. I was out there for over seven days, you know? So it's like, you still really get that solo experience. Like it's, it's so hard to access that they are documenting it, but they really can only get to so many places. Right. Uh, Which is kind of interesting. It's like Rue feels like she's told me she feels like, they missed out on a lot of opportunities just because they couldn't get to the spots, like to, to be in the drama of the land. Yeah. People don't realize all that goes into like 
Yeah, Getting you're not there. like right next to each other and you can just go. Nip, 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 yeah, nip. exactly. <laughs> like get the field in a Peloton. It's like yeah. we're days apart. Days apart in crazy terrain. Yeah. Cars are getting stuck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> People are getting knocked off their things with horses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, but then it's like such a rich story. It's like yeah. I think about all the other racers and I have like so many stories about them. And when I see them out there, they like tell me what's been happening for, for the past few days. And it's just massive adventure so yeah. like to compile that from like a media perspective it's so good yeah, yeah. and then i uh at the Silk road mountain race i decided you know i did two race reports for bikepacking.com and then for the third one i thought well how cool would it be to stay at the finish and to photograph every single finisher and then you're there well it's like it's a challenge in itself because these people are coming in like at 8 p.m at midnight at three in the morning but then, you know, you always want there to be somebody to greet them at the finish. Mm-hmm. But they finish and then they've been solo for like the past two days. And then they just like share everything with you. Oh, and wow. So that was like a really cool experience yeah. at the finish. And like you said, like you'll talk with the other racers, but I heard stories from... Like 50 people at the finish. Sounds like I need to go podcast at the end of a race. Yeah, you should. <laughs> that's a really yeah. good idea. It's probably actually. the best place to be situated so, right at the end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, a good there, idea. There was a podcaster out, out on the road. That's right. Y'all yeah. mentioned that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank y'all for, I, I'm like super excited with the direction that uh, the content is going, having more of it, telling that story, getting more people interested. So thank y'all. Um, real quick. Let's. We are at Mulberry Gap at the Bikepacking Summit, and I would be really interested uh, to get each of your something personally that you took away from this weekend. Oh yeah, I mean, actually, we're coming back in three weeks down here. Why? Because yeah, it's... well, we're doing a tour divide screening of the video, and then ah. I'm gonna do a race called the Coeta Cat. I think it's called. Yeah. It's like 300 miles. I met the organizer here. He's like, oh, I live in Atlanta. I can, if you fly in, I'll just give you a ride out to the race. So I get to do that. So I'm like, that's so cool. It's like, I not only had, I'd never even heard of this race or route. This is, this time has been my first experience riding down here at all. So it's mm-hmm. like, I get to go do more like that. I mean, I don't know. The Southeast of the U.S. for me is, it's like a different country. You know, it's like. I'd never come here. So to kind of be here, to be in an event here and then to be like looking forward to another one so quickly has been really cool. It's like, you know, opening up a new section of the world. Uh, Yeah. It's a whole different world over here. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it really is. I've, I've loved the mixed perspectives of both presenters and people like just here as participants, you know, it's like, but it's, it's been like, everybody's just been so honest, uh, it's been good. A lot of group, good group talks, a yeah. lot of dialogue going on. Everybody's been really interacting well and all that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's been fun. So it's cool. What about you, Rue? What did you, uh, this is probably, this is your first bikepacking summit? It is. No, oh, the no, Canadian no, it's not. One. Absolutely not. It's not. I went <laughs> to the, the one in, uh, in Canada. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Last September. That was really cool. Uh, but I was more just of an observer. I was there with Flail. We showed the Navod film, but I guess this time I was more of a, you know, I was on the forum. I was doing a presentation, and um, it, I mean, it was so cool to meet these all-stars like Joe Cruz and Pepper Cook, and mm-hmm. I know a little bit about Logan, but just to kind of talk to him more, and um, it's just a, it's such a welcoming community. And I've been following these guys for a couple of years now, and then to meet them in person and realize that they're really genuine people. 
that's the thing of like social media, right? Like mm-hmm. you kind of know each other and then, you know, they'll ask about something that you did two months ago and it's not like you're starting fresh. Like I did this and this and this, like you've been kind of like keeping track of each other and yeah. expand on some ideas or some thoughts. And I've really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's fun cool. to, it's, I mean, there's a lot of uh, very inspirational uh, people. People have done a lot of really neat things and I've walked away with the same vibe. It's like, we're all pretty cool. Everybody's down to earth. Everybody's real nice and all about this community, really, you know, mm-hmm. like everybody's really bought into what's, what's going on and trying to make it awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much driven out of passion. You know, I mean, most people here have another full-time job. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're not getting rich. I love it. Figuring out how to, but they're figuring out how to produce. Like today we were talking about the Eastern Divide Project. It's yes. Like almost a 5,000-mile route yes. down mm-hmm. east on dirt. It's mm-hmm. like that's just a passion project to link up, and that's enormous. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. Like making routes and then publishing them, giving people resources, encouraging people to get out there. It's like... It's, it's cool to see this happen um, and then for other people just to get excited. I mean, it's all about like building excitement and, and then having an experience out there. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've seen anything quite like that. Yep. You know? All right. Well, we have to wrap it up, unfortunately, because we are on a tight schedule. But <laughs> uh, so what the Tour Divide, what do we have coming out? The Tour Divide film is, will you expect that to come out when? Yeah, so we'll do a few screenings. Uh, we'll do one. October 15th in Anchorage, Alaska. We'll do three in Colorado, uh, one in uh, Louisville, Salida, Leadville. We'll be in Atlanta. Um, Tucson. Tucson. I think Atlanta's first, though, right? Yeah. The fifth and then in Tucson. And then it'll be free uh, for the public on Pearlism's YouTube channel on November oh. 20th. Oh, cool. So, yeah, anybody could watch it. I think it'll be around 45 minutes long. Oh, but wow. Gotta wrap that's, that up. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a great story. That's almost a film. I mean, that's almost like a full length. Full length. Yeah. Sure feels like one. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, hey, that's, yeah. man, we are yeah. going to be chomping at the bit. But Anchorage Grant yeah. video yeah. out in December. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's also a pros and me film. Yeah. And Alana will be in that as well. Oh, good. And it's cool because Drew did a video about it in 2017 that Alana was in too. So yeah. you could kind of yeah. see her grow up. Oh, this can be, yeah, you'll have to circle back around to her and get more of her story. Yeah. For sure. See, this is what's great about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank y'all. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank, thank you so thank much. Thank you for coming to my office. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Another banger episode from Bikes or Death. Hope y'all enjoyed that one. I feel so, I mean, I can't say it enough. How freaking cool is it to be able to sit down with Lael and Rue and get to talk to them one-on-one and just get in their heads a little bit, you know, and learn a little bit more about them. We see them uh, everywhere. Uh, if you're in the bikepacking world, um, you know, we you hear the names, you see the pictures, um, you read scandalous stories on the Facebook groups. Uh, but now you get to listen to them uh, one-on-one little conversations. So it's always a pleasure. I thank them so much for taking the time to sit down with me and, and sharing some of their story and being so candid and open. Um, that's what we need. So, uh, and again, congrats on their new film. I just want to ride. I get it. Just go ride your damn bike. Get off the fucking keyboard. Get off the internet. Put your keyboard down and go ride your damn bike. I get it. I love it. Love the title. Well, thank you all for sticking around. Um, This is part of the show where I beg for money. Um, This show 
started as a passion project and it is still a passion project, but uh, it is definitely growing based on the support that I receive. The more support I receive, the more I'm able to dedicate time and energy and resource everything to uh, to running this show and to growing it. Um, so yeah, if, if you uh, are getting something out of the show, um, they're produced free. There's no advertising or anything like that. So it's just from me to you, a little gift. Uh, but if you like it and you're getting something out of it and you could throw a couple dollars my way, uh, it's very much appreciated. It does really help. And even if it's only a dollar on Patreon or whatever, it counts and I appreciate that. So if you'd like to support the show, the easiest thing you can do is go to bikesordeath.com. And the first thing I'll draw your attention to is on the top right hand corner, there is a raffle link. I'm diligently trying to raise money to turn my van into a mobile podcasting studio. Uh, so if you can kick in on that, that's very much appreciated. And also, uh, you will see on, on the sidebar that there is a link to become a patron or a link to donate, a one-time donation through PayPal. Um, both of those are very much appreciated. And then, of course, there is some sweet merch on the store. Check out the store link. Uh, we got shirts, stickers, patches, all the good stuff. And I'm working on getting more in there, hopefully before the holidays. I just got so much going on that, eh, you know, I'm only one guy. What can I do? All right. And next week I have a very special guest for you, Mr. Ultra Romance, Ronnie Romance, Benedict, Benedict Romance, uh, Poppy, uh, whatever he goes by. Uh, and, and actually we talk about what his name is on the episode. I believe that's the first question I ask him. Um, so anyway, that is next week. I'm super excited. Uh, so until then you'll just have to wait. And what could you do while you were waiting? Maybe. Maybe you could go ride your damn bike. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes, 